Today's episode of the Andy Staples Show is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for joining. We had a great conversation today with Bruce Feldman of The Athletic. We talk about what's going on now, when we might see college football again, and we talk about it in a way that does not insult your intelligence, hopefully, because we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. No coaches know what's going to happen. No ADs know what's going to happen. At this point, probably no governors know what's going to happen. It's a very fluid situation. We recorded this before Mike Gundy's comments came to light, and uh, I think it's interesting because Mike Gundy said that he thinks they should just bring the players back on campus. They're young. They'll be fine. They'll blow through COVID-19, and let's get some money running through the state of Oklahoma. Now, while I agree with him that college football does need to be played for financial reasons, it needs to be played this school year, which would be sometime between August and May, for financial reasons, because the athletic departments need that money. Otherwise, you're going to have to lay a bunch of people off, cut a bunch of sports. I'm not sure I want Mike Gundy handling my state's COVID-19 response. I trust him to call up a ball play on third and 10. I don't necessarily trust him to come up with the state's response to a pandemic, nor should anyone trust me to do that. But you know, I'm not actually offering any any advice on how you should do it. I'm just saying, based on the people we've talked to, we think they'll probably figure out a way to play football sometime between now and May. So Gundy's probably going to get his wish. It's just, I don't know if it's going to be as soon as he wants. But let's listen as me and Bruce discuss where college football goes from here and what happens next. <laughs> Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Still quarantined. Still still going on. We're just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And uh, to help me do that, I, I bring in one of the people at The Athletic who I find to be one of the more sane, rational people at The Athletic. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get a lot of, of blazing hot takes from this guy. So when he says this is what's probably going to happen, that's probably what's going to happen. Bruce Feldman, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Andy. I am doing okay. I got to admit, you know, it's like, I think we all have our own perspectives on this stuff as where, depending on where we live and depending on our own, you know, home situation, whether you're single, whether you're 23 years old, whether you're 43 years old, whether you have kids, whether you don't, um, where your family lives, you know, all those things kind of factor into it. Um, so I say I'm doing okay. Uh, I think my kids who are younger, a little younger than your kids, are handling it surprisingly well. They may be watching, end up watching a little more TV than they probably would like, but that'll be okay. And, um, you know, it's just, I mean, one of the things that I think, try, you know, tries to help me stay sane through this is 
Um, I'm just trying not to read and watch too much about it, which is tempting, but it's just because I think that stuff can get overwhelming. I feel like I'm kind of in my best frame of mind when I just kind of put my head down and try to work. I, I feel the same way. And, and the good thing is we've been able to to do some fun stuff at the athletic where we're, we've got a, a series now on our, our favorite athletes growing up. We've got uh, you and me and Stuart Mandel have been doing these group texts where uh, the last one we did, we, we talked about the the player we whiffed on the most in the NFL draft. And I, I do think that it's nice to have a distraction and, and hopefully we're, we're giving the listeners, the readers out there a distraction as well. I am totally with you, Bruce on the don't inundate yourself with news it's not changing so fast that you need to be hooked into it 24-7. You can read some stuff every once in a while, get yourself current, but you do not have to bombard yourself with this because I, I, I'm a firm believer that if you just bombard yourself with negativity all the time, it just affects everything about you. Yeah, I'm not watching. I'm not watching press conferences. I'm not, you know, not doing that. The one thing that... You know, I would like to have a a hundred percent confidence in, and I don't think you can have any of that. Is um, how long do, would this stuff last on surfaces? Because you know, when I'm using wipes, whether I you know go to the grocery store, we get something delivered to the house. It's like, okay, can I put that in the garage for for five days and not worry about it? Can you know, like if I wipe this pretty well and I stick it in the freezer, is that, you know, like that's the, like when it comes to this, like that's the part where I'm like, all right, that's the practical piece of this. I mean, if I, can I use one wipe on two bags of groceries or does like, if it's not sudsy, does that mean the wipe is done and it's not, not doing its job? You know, like, and, and I'm sure probably some of, some of your listeners probably have a better read on the on the real answers to that but that's the kind of stuff where i'm like okay that's stuff i probably would want to read about right now i think that's sort of the hardest thing with all this is is we don't know and there aren't definitive answers and and we're so used to you know human history's long there, there people have been through lots of different things people have dealt with lots of different things and usually when something comes up you can find where somebody's dealt with it before like I, it's like when I have a little project around the house or something breaks in the house, I can go on the internet and find someone who has dealt with that problem and probably made a YouTube video about how to fix it. The problem with this is because it's entirely new, there's no YouTube video on how to fix it. We, d- we don't have all the information. And I think that's what scares people the most. I think that's what, what bothers people. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, Bruce, is because you and I have talked about this quite a bit just privately, and then we've, we've had to go on different shows and talk about it as well. But the idea of when will there be a college football season or will there be a college football season and how that makes people feel, you know, because I, I think that's, it's obviously what we cover. So it's very important for us to find out when that's going to happen. But I think for the, the public at large, for a lot of people, it that would represent some sort of touchstone that would mean a return to normal behavior. And I think that's kind of what everybody's waiting for is, is word when life will get back to normal. And so I get this question all the time. I'm sure you get this question all the time of when will the college football season start? Is it going to be delayed? Is it going to happen at all? And I, I just, it's amazing to me the reactions when you give 
an honest answer. And I was on Fine Bomb on Monday, and my honest answer is I don't know. I think it will be played at some point during the school year, which means between August and May, because I feel like from a financial standpoint, they have to play it or they're going to be really dire consequences. But it, it was amazing to me the, the responses you got from people who just got mad that I didn't say, oh, it's going to start on time and, and they're going to play it exactly as it's scheduled. But I don't know that. And, and I'd be lying if I gave you an answer that said I thought that was what was going to happen. Yeah, and, it, and ultimately that would be pretty, you know, that would be irresponsible. I think one of the things that, that I think people are having a hard time reconciling with is, and this is a much larger issue, and I don't want to take anybody down this road far, but it's like I think um, where people get their information, what they trust, especially in the age of social media, has been kind of turned on its head, and that's a, that's a weird place to be. But, I, I, you know, I use this example last night before, you know, as you know, I'm waiting for my kids to go to sleep, I'm you know, the lights are off. I'm looking at my phone and I, I'm reading about Jeff Passan from ESPN has a report about the baseball season and tentatively what there are some, some, I don't even want to, I don't know if it's fair to call them plans or some thoughts about what they might try to do. And, you know, I think people are looking and again, you know, you can find whatever you want to find. Maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 2% of people don't fit in this category. But I think generally a lot of people are looking for some signs for reasons to be optimistic because, and they're desperate for those signs. They want some version of, I mean, this may have been something you had said to me or so one of my colleagues had talked about like, you know, Facebook and, you know, it's like people want confirmation bias. And I think right now, um, it's hard for a lot of people to admit they are scared, but I think a lot of people are are really kind of on their heels with this because they're either cooped up in their homes, they're you know seeing people walk around now with masks if they go around. You know, there's some element of cabin fever. There's a financial reality that is that is staring a lot of people in the face. Then there's the mortality piece of this. I mean, it's not just. You're not just seeing 80, 80 year olds and 90 year olds pass away. We're seeing plenty of stories. Maybe it's not, maybe it's a smaller percentage, but you're still seeing those things. And, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, people die from car accident, people die from smoking, they die from obesity, but you're not catching those things. You know, if I don't like, if I, if I walk down to the grocery store, I'm not going to catch obesity from somebody or I'm not going to like, you know, all of a sudden become like a chain smoker who smokes nine packs of cigarettes a day or, you know, whatever. It's like, it's just a different, you know, it's a different reality. So, well, and, and we can't even, we can't even make the normal cost benefit analyses that we do in our society. I mean, you, you talk about car accidents. Okay. When, when we lower a speed limit, it's to save lives. When we raise a speed limit, it's to save time. And we make that cost-benefit analysis. We, we know when we set the speed limit higher that there may be more deadly accidents. But is you know we weigh that against the benefits to society on the whole. The problem with this thing is we don't know what the cost is because we don't have a, a reliable mortality rate on this thing. And so they can't even do that cold cost-benefit analysis. And I know that sounds awful, that, that really is how society functions on a daily basis. But the problem is you can't do a cost-benefit analysis when you don't actually know what the cost is going to be. 
Well, even even the layers of this. So I've you know t before we did our group text from over the weekend on this, uh, I had talked to some head football coaches in Power Five schools, and one of them had really been pretty strong on thinking. I don't know how we are going to have the season start on time, and basically went through this scenario of like, look, if we're gonna if we're going to play somebody, we got to test all 100 plus of our players. And then whoever we play, we, they have to test all of them. But on top of that, it's like you probably have to test everybody every day of camp before you can play. Because once somebody gets infected, if somebody gets infected, then all of a sudden you run the risk of 100 other people at least getting it. Because, you know, to play a golf tournament somewhere is different, seems to me than football whereas golf it's you know you can have distance the only from each other with football everybody's on top of each other it is a contact sport it is something that gets practiced as a contact sport every day of the week essentially and if it's golf let's say all right you know you're putting on a, a pga event you can you can buy a five thousand hand wipes that, okay, we're going to wipe down every time a player or a caddy touches the flag stick or touches a rake, we're going to wipe that down. But it's not like, you know, for the most part, it's 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 just a different, different animal than football. And the idea that we'd be able to start right away, I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, when when we have approved treatments, that'll be a positive, big positive step. And certainly when we have a vaccine, that'll be a big positive step. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. When people talk about things like herd immunity, when people talk about, oh, well, other things go away in the summer because of heat. I mean, Andy, you live in Florida. My relatives, a lot of my family lives in South Florida. It's already hot in South Florida. I mean, it, I hope this thing is gonna gonna go away when it gets really hot and humid because it's already in a lot of parts of the country already getting hot and humid i hope it goes away but i don't think we don't know that right yeah we don't and that's the problem is we don't have definitive information on this i think we're gonna get it though i think the the thing is the next probably month or so is going to be pretty educational for everybody and as they scale up the ability to do more testing. And, and that could be testing of, do you have the, the virus right now? It could be the serology testing where, have you had it, has your body created antibodies for it, where you can find out, you know, did you have it in the past, but, but don't currently have it now? So I think once that becomes more commonplace and easier to do, then society will have a chance to get back to normal. As far as college football goes, the reason I think there's going to be a season is one, these athletic departments need to play a season because if they don't, they're going to be in, in serious financial trouble. They're going to have to lay off a bunch of people. Uh, they'll have to cut sports. It, it will be very, very bad. And I realize that's not any different than a lot of other industries. And you're, you've already seen it in a ton of industries. You see it in the restaurant industry right now, any sort of hospitality, hotel, uh, airlines, you're, they're already dealing with that. So this, this is not unique to college athletics. But what interesting, what's interesting is they, they do have a time frame, and they can get probably some or most of that money by playing it at some point during the school year. And, and the thing I keep coming back to, Bruce, is we may not have a vaccine that's available for the public by January, 
but my guess is it's it, it's going to be getting closer. But we may have a better handle on everything in terms of the testing, in terms of just knowing what you're dealing with. There may be a, a treatment that that works for people as you're treating them acutely. You know that that's the thing. And if, if we don't by January, I don't even think we need to worry about college football because everything else will have collapsed around us at that point. So the world's got to get moving again. And that's why I, I keep saying, I don't know that it's going to start on time, but I think it probably has to, because if it doesn't, we have so many bigger problems to worry about. Yeah. I, and, and look, I, what is, what is it now? April 7th, April 8th, uh, as we're yeah. doing this, yeah. I mean, like who knows what it's going to be like in the middle of May, in the middle of June. I mean, we, we just, nobody knows. Um, you know, so I mean, as scientists try to get a handle on this, I mean, those are the medical people we need to be listening to. But I, I think I agree with you in terms of whenever they get the season. And if you told me the season was going to start November 1st and it was going to run from November 1st to, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, March 1st or the end of February, I'd be like, OK, you know, I know I know there's a is is. If that would show, you know, that that okay, that things are seem to be getting a little better. Um, you know, I know there's people in, in especially in like Big Ten country, who are like, you don't know how cold it gets here in February if you're in. I saw, you know, I was on one of those. Yeah, there was a Minnesota fan that was very mad at me about this. As he was talking, like I. I'm on the sideline at games for five, six hours, you know, like before the game and, and at halftime and everything. And so I've done games in Iowa where it's cold. I've done a blizzard in the Apple Cup and everything. Doesn't mean that, you know, to that guy's point, um, it is, I looked, uh, you know, I looked at the average temperatures. It's way colder in February in Minnesota than it is in, you know, whatever it is in December. Oh, yeah. Mi- Michigan, Wisconsin, states like that, it would be brutally cold during that time so but that is a you know like i think what we're, we're we're getting at in all this is we're on uncharted territory with all of this if they had to find a way to get to get those games in um you know to be honest i don't know who like who has indoor facilities if some of these games also you know if they had to get the games in without without fans I mean, could you play some of well, these games in indoor facilities that they have for practice? Could the Lions offer Ford Field to Michigan and Michigan State? I mean, it's it's not it's not an impossible thing. There is a domed football stadium in Minneapolis, right across the river from the University of Minnesota. So it is it is possible to do the, all of these things, it, and I think there's going to have to be some creativity involved. You know, if they're going to start the season in a delayed fashion, let's say they started it in October or November. You're going to have to get cre- creative about how you schedule it and dates. The good news with college football, at least Bruce is there aren't a lot of mixed use facilities here. For the most part, everybody's got their own deal. Uh, you know, the, the carrier dome obviously has got to host Syracuse basketball games. Uh, you've got the, the stadium in Miami. It's got to host the, the dolphins football games, but for the most part, these stadiums are dedicated to that team playing there. And so I think they could figure it out. There's a bunch of smart people and they could get that figured out. And if you had a weather issue, I, th- I also think there are ways to, to figure that out. And I mean, heck, Wisconsin may be like, hey, listen, come, come to Camp Randall. We'll, we'll take that advantage. 
Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think we're talking about this as like an every year thing. I think, and again, I could be wrong, but I think if you presented people with the scenario and said, hey, you're going to, you know, like they're going to play a game. It's going to be nine degrees or whatever, and there's going to be snow on the ground. You know what? I think considering where we are in the alternative um, and everything's going, I think people would jump at that chance. Now, would every yeah. fan want to yeah. be there for that? No. Okay. Well, then, if you know, you know, stay inside and that's okay and watch the game on TV. And, um, you know, I, I, I think those are smaller issues that they're issues, right. but right. just like everything else, like you were saying, the Carrier Dome, well, you know, and great, Syracuse basketball is a big deal at Syracuse, but the reality is if people haven't didn't learn from the realignment stuff of the past decade about how college football drives the bus, they're going to learn it from this with as it relates to college athletics financials because no matter how good your college basketball program is, no matter how good your your wrestling team is, no matter how good your swim team is, no matter how good your college baseball program is, I mean the thing that is driving everything is the is college football they they will find a way as you said to get it in it may not be in actually 2020 if it if 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 it's not right it may be 2021 but it will still be on that academic calendar because you know god willing they said it takes a year or, or maybe even 18 months to get a vaccine i mean if it if that's what they're waiting on you would think we would at least have a vaccine by this time next year and then if they started a football season in you know, I guess even if they had to start a football season in late February, um, I think they would do it just to get it in because, again, we're in uncharted waters. Kids are taking, you know, classes online. Campuses are, are basically empty. I think the NCAA, they will have to adjust just like everybody else. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not going to be your favorite AD, your conferences commissioner, Mark Emmert. None of those people are actually going to make these decisions about when football gets played ultimately because you think about it if if they're going to play with fans in the stands or even if they're just going to play and, and make it a tv show where you you bring you know two teams of a hundred plus people together to play a contact sport where sweats get sweats getting traded you're going to need probably a governor to say yeah that's okay i mean it, it, it especially going to need it to say that ninety thousand people in one place at the same time is okay. So it's not going to be decided at the school level ultimately. And that's what, I, I don't know about you, Bruce, but with, with football coaches, with ADs, these are people who are used to being very much in control and they don't have any control right now. And I think that, that, that drives them pretty nuts too. Yeah. I mean, look, I encourage people to read our story on the athletic from the other day, but you know, talking to Ross Bjork, he was the tech, he's a Texas A&M AD and I had asked him just what you're saying, who makes that decision? And, you know, if it, and it's a complicated issue because it's not the NFL where you have a commissioner and it's like, you know, we already knew college football had a rudderless component to it in a big way. But now you start factoring in different states by states. I mean, you see what the governor from Georgia is saying one thing and the governor maybe in Louisiana, also an SEC state, by the way, is saying something very different. I mean, states are handling it differently. The re the reactions to it that, you know, is is fairly different. So I think that's going to complicate it. Look, different states are also on seem to be on different time, you know, like on different schedules with this virus. Who knows? 
Who knows how that's going to play out way down the road, but I think that shows you the lack of consistency. And, you know, Ross's case example was what happens if Texas has been cleared and Colorado, who they play, has not? You know, then that game doesn't get played. There's just like, you know, the NCAA wants a level of uniformity of when people practice and when they do certain things. But right now, it's there's really none of that. Well, and, and so we've seen some ideas. I mean, the, you mentioned the Jeff Passan story uh, on ESPN where basically Major League Baseball has suggested creating kind of a a quarantine zone, I guess would be the, the way to describe it, around Metro Phoenix where a lot of the teams have their spring training sites and they would just kind of camp there and play games in those venues and, and they just you know, would test everybody and keep testing everybody and, but they'd play and they, they would televise the games and then there'd be something to watch. And it's obviously major league baseball trying to run its business. It doesn't sound like that's gotten a real enthusiastic response either from the players or from the fans, but I think we're going to hear a lot of this kind of spitballing. I mean, what Dana White's saying, he's going to get a private Island and have UFC fights on a private Island, which sounds like the movie blood sport to me, or possibly the movie mortal Kombat. Or the video game Mortal Kombat, but I, that we're going to hear a lot of weird stuff over these next few months. We are, and look, especially as it relates to individual sports, and especially as it relates to maybe things, because we're talking about you know millions and billions of dollars. And look, I think people are going to be desperate to see some of that stuff. I, I think uh, just. You know, I remember watching the USC Texas game re-air that ESPN put on like a week ago, and I knew that was coming on earlier in the week. They had run the old from a year ago or two years ago now the uh, the Wild Rams Chiefs game, and it and uh, I didn't know it was on, and then I saw Lewis Riddick start tweeting something about it, and then I saw somebody else, and I was like, oh, and then I turned it on, and my son and I watched it and got into it, and there was an element of of community there where it's like you're seeing other people who are watching it they're you know now my son's not on social media so he's just watching the game but i'm seeing it and there's there isn't there is something that felt cathartic about that shared experience whereas you know i could sit and find on youtube a madden summerall uh nfl game and feel some you know a little bit of comfort in that or whatever um but just the idea of when you're all together watching that there's something that i think especially now when we're on just this little, this emotional roller coaster as it is, I think that's something that people miss. And, and so I think if you can, you know, I think people know that, Hey, if we can bring some sports back to them from an entertainment value aspect, people are going to crave it in a way that they probably haven't craved it in a long time because, you know, this last month for, for pretty much everybody has probably felt like six months you know, or a year. It's it. You mentioned that catharsis of, of being able to participate in what felt like a community activity. That's one of those things that we took so much for granted. Like I'd love to just be able to go to a restaurant and sit down and talk to people. I, I never realized how much I love that. I never realized how much that meant to me. And guys, I never ever in my life thought that would be taken away. And it's just, it's insane to think how much we took for granted, but I think you're right. I think, you know, 
we're all talking about Tiger King on Netflix, but we're not all watching it together at the same time. So we don't have that community experience like we do with sports. And, you know, maybe that's something we need to consider at The Athletic, Bruce, as we wait for, for actual sports to come back. Maybe we need to schedule some some watches and just have everybody chime in with us, have all our, our subscribers chime in with us. And and we'll, we'll say at, at 4 o'clock Eastern time or whatever time you want to do it, we're going to watch this classic game. And we just have a discussion about it. I, I do think that would help people feel a little bit normal for a little while. And I, that's, that's the part because without sports, where is that community when we're all shut up in our own houses? Because that is usually how we tend to communicate over space is around these events. Yeah. And look, if you talk to a lot of people who are like, think about, you know, I go back to Bill Curry, you know, the old Green Bay Packer and former college coach who I, you know, have a ton of respect for. He did a book about the other men in the huddle and how it's, it was the thing that connects people. And I just think, I don't think it's just something that connects people who are the people who play the game. I think when so much out there, especially on social media, is so divisive and so ugly and you see just a lack of empathy for, and I'm not saying that that it's across the board, but that's the stuff that seems to like, you know, stay in the back of your head. I just think, you know, people, normal people are, are, are thirsting for that kind of sense of, of, uh, of that kind of bond and that kind of connection with other people. You know, I just think, I thought that that's been something people have been desperate for, you know, for the last few years, now you add a pandemic and people, you know, sheltered at home and hunkered down. I think it's times five on that scale. So let's talk about a little more micro. What What is life in in the Feldman house like now? You've, you've got twins. You've got a twin son and daughter, and they're not school age yet. So you... Well, right, right. So you you're just you were you had just gotten into the they have you know school every day and then and then that gets ripped away. Uh, my mine are fourth and third grade, so they'd been going for a while, and then all of a sudden that's that's back. So, what's it like on a daily basis for you guys? It, you know, like every day feels like a Tuesday. Every like now the the one thing that's been a little different is our kids would have to get up and you know I'd have to tr- take them to school by seven forty or so. Now it's like like we play cards with them for like an hour an hour and a half play card games. They may go to sleep eight thirty maybe nine o'clock. I don't mind letting them go to sleep a little later because that way I know they're probably not going to get up quite as early. Maybe they get up at seven thirty. Maybe they get up at eight o'clock. They're watching. A little more TV than than we would like, but I make sure that they get out of the house at least in front of our house to go run around. And I throw the football at my son; he's super into that. And you know, like you know, one mistake I made was I showed him Madden football. I downloaded it to my phone, and now for like you know, he get if he if he does you know really run around and get really good exercise, I'll let him play it for 10 minutes and you know you see how you know how a and he just turned six they just turned six how addictive he, he you know his mind is to that to get it away from him is not not a pleasant experience but 
Short of that, I mean, what what we've tried to do, I have one child who is the, the boy who is super competitive and his sister who doesn't have that competitiveness, but everything is about fairness seems to be with twins, at least from our experience. So I was like, you know what? How are we going to manage this? Because I think we're going to be in for the long haul here. This isn't going to be like two weeks. This is could be three months. It could be six months. It could be more than that. So I thought back to some, you know, some conversations I had with some football coaches and one particular one who I like kind of dug in with how his process works and how he grades quarterbacks. And I said, you know what? We're going to grade you guys every day. And instead of like an 80 being an average, I said, we're just going to do one to 10. So it was like an 80 is an eight and 90 is a nine and a hundred is a 10. And if they do basically just enough, an average day, they get an eight. If, if they're fussy and they don't listen and they're, they don't sleep great, it's going to be a seven or a six. If they do what we ask and really don't fight with each other and, and are pretty easy, they get a nine. If they don't even they do stuff without us having to ask them and, you know, or they get a 10. And, you know, it was one of those situations where I was like, all right, we're going to reward them on a basis of if, if you do this, we'll give you, you know, 50, you know, 50 cents for a 10, 25 cents for a nine. And then whenever this is all over, you can go to the store or wherever Target or Dick's Sporting Goods and you can, you know, buy whatever you've earned. And, you know, it seems to, they have responded to it. And, you know, look at that, at through all this, the one thing I would say, and you're in a different boat because your kids are, you know, a little older, Whereas our kids aren't missing too much, you know, what they're missing in kindergarten, we can catch up on, you know, whatever it is. I mean, they're doing some stuff online anyways with their classes and they're, they still do online karate classes, like thankfully. Oh, if you haven't seen video of, of Bruce and his son and daughter doing online karate, it is the most adorable thing in the history of the world. So if, if, if you're, if you have a friend who has kids in, in karate and they're doing it online, just ask them to, to text you a video of it. You will die laughing. It is outstanding. Yeah. It's, it's like those things you're keeping, trying to keep some sense of normalcy. The one thing, Andy, that I have tried to remind myself and my wife, but especially myself is years from now when, you know, when they're 12, 13, 14, when I've had friends who have kids who are older have said, you know what? Once they get to be like 12, 13, 14, they don't want to spend, they don't even want to be around you. They don't they just, you know, like, so appreciate what you got. Well, we've realized that, okay, we, we have this time right now. We're going to spend so much time <laughs> with our kids that we should savor this because it is an opportunity to see them develop and get to spend so much time with them. And so, um, that part's been pretty awesome, you know, like that piece of it. And so, well, that, that's what my daughter said the other day, we went on a walk and she turns to me and my wife and, and says, this is keeping people apart, but it's bringing families closer together. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, uh, pretty good for an eight year old. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but you're right. I mean, and what we've done, I, I like your grading idea. I may have to incorporate that because I think, Mine are both competitive with each other, and so I think they would get they would get into that. But what we've done a lot since this started is make lists. We we bought whiteboards for the rooms and put them put them up, and basically they have a daily checklist of things they have to do. And 
part of it is just making sure you go through those things. You do all those things because, you know, you don't need to practice piano every day right now, but a little routine doesn't hurt. You know, routine makes things feel more normal. And that, that's been the hardest thing is because with them, it'll hit them every once in a while. I don't get to see my friends. All the birthday parties have been canceled. All the this is, you know, all the, the we were going to go to Universal Studios and, and we're not doing that now. And the, it hits them every once in a while that, that that stuff's not happening. But for the most part, they are pretty happy. And uh, I'm with you. We, we try to keep them, you know, as active as possible. Uh, we ordered a slip and slide. Uh, online and that thing has been a godsend. We just pop that thing out in the backyard and they'll go crazy for like two hours and and come in completely exhausted. And it just it's great for them to go get some fresh air. And we're lucky we're we're in a neighborhood that has a lot of like walking trails and and that sort of thing. So you can go walk and you're not nobody's on top of each other. You're, you you can maintain the safe distance from everybody else and still get fresh air and exercise and everything. So it, it's good for that. But I, but I had to bring in the grading system. I like that. I, I think, I think the coaches who say that every day is a competition, I, I tend to agree with them on that. And, you know, so maybe, maybe that will be the, uh, the lesson we take from all this. Hey, whatever keeps, keeps everybody on, you know, sane or, or going, like we had a moment, like, so we have, it sounds like a similar kind of, kind of where we live in terms of you know there's area to walk and a little bit of grass and so i take him out to you know we throw the football around he'll run routes he's into it and he's gotten at least with a nerf football he's got a pretty good arm so there's a day i think it was like last thursday i don't know maybe it could have been last tuesday for all i know but um so he's throwing and occasionally you'll see people walk by on the walking path and there was a guy who's probably like somewhere in his 50s was like wow he's got a great arm and so that guy puts his hands up to, to catch the ball, and my son, without thinking, just guns it to him. And then the guy, the oh, guy no. uh, picks it up, catches, picks it up, and throws it back to my son. And I'm just like, "Whoa, what just happened?" Like I don't think the guy was thinking, and I know my son wasn't. Well, no, because none of us. It, it's not. It's not in our nature to think like that. I feel like I'm supposed to be away from you and not touch you and not get near you. Yeah, so now I'm like, well, all right, what just happened? How do we have to wipe down the ball? Do we got to go wash his hand, you know, my son's hands? And, you know, it's just like one of those things where you're like, uh, okay, you know, like I, we've already kind of told them when we go up the stairs to this place, you can't touch the rails, you know, there's metal railing and who knows, you know, you're just like, um, you know, it's, it's in the back of your head and, and sometimes when it, when it slides out of the back of your head because you're just in the middle of a normal moment, um, it catches you probably at the at at a, at a bad time. Yeah, it, it and the thing about it is, we don't know how long this is going to last. I, I hope it doesn't last much longer. I hope that that we've we've seen the peak and the curve gets flattened and all the stuff they keep telling us is going to work. But you know, it, sometimes it helps to talk about it. And and Bruce, thank you for for coming on because. I'm glad we could have a nice, rational conversation about this. I think that's where most people are at. I don't think most people are those those people that are yelling at us on the internet about it has to start on time or else, or you you know, this is just mass hysteria. It's not. We're we're all just trying to do the best we can, and I think everybody's doing the same thing. So, Bruce, appreciate it. Uh, you keep making sure the those twins get tens every day. 
I, I want to know the results of the shopping trip when it's all over. And uh, keep sending me karate videos. All right, Andy, it was very good to talk to you. Stay safe. And, um, you know, like I, I definitely, uh, I can't wait to see the first meal we have. I don't know how much you're going to eat, but I'm guessing it's going to be a lot when we go out. You, you may see less of me. So I am down 20 pounds since the national title. <laughs> I probably lost, and I don't I think I need to lose it. I probably lost 10 pounds in, in the first month of this. I'm just yep. eating yep. less, you know, it's just... It is, you know, it's like, I mean, some people are probably going to gain a ton and some people are going to lose a ton. Yeah, I, my, my quarantine 15 has gone the other way. So we'll see if there's anything left of me when, when we have that meal together, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we build it back up. So Bruce, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. That's it for the show. I hope everyone is staying safe and, and hopefully staying sane. We will get back to making this podcast your escape from all this. On Friday, we have an interview with Dwayne Davis. If you read the story I wrote about him in The Athletic, uh, he's the dad of Wyatt Davis, one of the best offensive linemen in the country. He plays for Ohio State. But Dwayne Davis, also a pretty good football player in his own right, in the fictional world and in the real world, he, he was a tight end at Missouri, the son of Willie Davis, an NFL Hall of Famer. But Dwayne Davis played Featherstone, Necessary Roughness. He played Alvin Mack in the program. And you've heard us talk about those two movies the last two weeks on the podcast. So now we're going to hear from a guy who was on the set, who was in both movies, and he's going to give us some great stories from the sets of Necessary Roughness and the program. He's also going to talk about what it's like being the dad of a five-star recruit these days. And I thought that part of it was just as interesting as the part about him being in the movies. So come back Friday. You hear Dwayne Davis talking about being Alvin Mack. You watch the program, there's not many better fictional football players out there than Alvin Mack, and that's because Dwayne Davis did an amazing job playing him. So you can hear all about it from Dwayne himself on Friday. We'll talk to you then.